Welcome to the GameDev.TV Community Podcast. I'm your host KB, and I would like to introduce you to industry professionals and people who successfully made their path to the video game industry. I hope that you enjoy the podcast and get useful tips that will bring you closer to achieving your dreams. Now, let's get right into the podcast. So my name is Mel Torrey Franca. I'm an 18-year-old entrepreneur. I do YouTube. I also write books, and I run a publishing house called Lost Island Press. That's pretty cool. So I saw that, and I was like, there you go. Making all big moves. <laughs> so let's get into what I've been so excited about, those, these um, okay. small comfort challenges. So we, we want to push ourselves to grow, but it's hard to decide, like, what is it that we should go towards? Should we move towards our comfort zone, like writing, our career, like, just going up to a stranger asking for their phone number. So I want to hear your story about the one where you went up, I think the guy was Eric, and went up and did the whole, um, what's it called? I know I'll be kicking myself if I don't ask you. It's funny because yeah. you said the same thing that I said to some people, and I died yeah. when I watched it. So what was that experience like? And then let's always oh, first let's start off where these challenges come from. So they come from the four-hour work week, which is by Tim Ferriss. And there's these little small comfort challenges, basically, to get you out of your comfort zone. So one of them is to basically go up to strangers and ask for their phone numbers, which is what you did in the video. So can you describe a little bit about the video and the process? Yeah, so um, my friend and I, we were going through the comfort challenges in the book and trying to decide which ones to focus on because some of them are really hard to record. And we ended up choosing two of them. One of them is relaxing in public where you go in public places with people around and you just lay down for no reason. <laughs> and then the second one was to go up to people and ask for their numbers. And I was really nervous going into this. My friend, for some reason, was, it was pretty easy for her, but I had never done that before, ever. So it was very nerve-wracking. And But I did it for the sake of the YouTube video. <laughs> and well, after I did it the first time, I would say that it did, it did get easier after that. So if there was no YouTube video, would you have done it? No, I talk about this a lot. I think... My YouTube channel pushes me in a lot of ways. My uh, Haruki Murakami video, where I followed this famous author's schedule for a week, that's what my most popular video. It's almost at a million views right now. And I don't think that I would have ever finished that challenge if it weren't for the fact that I was recording the whole thing. And I'm like, oh God, this would be a really cool video. I just have to suck it up and finish. And then I remember one part of the, um, the authoring event the, the guy said did you like to contemplate life while drinking like jasmine tea or something oh, or peppermint yeah. tea yes so i want to dive into that so do you always have these like deep thoughts we're always contemplating like life what you should do in your time and all that yes i would say i i do think about existential type stuff all the time and that's probably why i'm a writer and i like writing fiction so much is because i can sort of dive into that side of myself and then was that like awesome. always when you were younger or did it start recently? Um, I would say it started when I first got into reading. I was, when I really started reading more, I was about 10 years old. So that's when I really started to explore some of these deeper themes. I think reading really helped me with my critical thinking. Mm -hmm. So you started reading around 10, what was your first book? I don't remember my first book, but the first book that really inspired me was The Girl Who Could Fly by Victoria Forrester. I actually haven't re read it in years, so I'm really curious about how I would feel rereading it. But at mm -hmm. the time that I did reread the book, which was when I was 10 years old, it was super dark. 
And I didn't know that these dark books even existed. And it was a totally new territory for me because books in class were always like these lighthearted uh, sibling fight type conflict yeah. books. And so when I read this book about, you know, this, this government agency with the dark side and all of these kids with powers, I was like, whoa, this is really cool. And that's actually the book that first got me into writing. You should probably do a YouTube video yeah. going back to it. Where I react to what? Oh, like go back to the first book you read and kind of like, yeah that would be cool yeah yeah that would actually be really cool if you did like a reflection video mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now for your yeah, youtube cool. channel that one. Um, when did you start that i started it i believe it was the summer after my freshman year or the summer before my freshman year it was during the summer sometime um in high school and I started it doing cultural family vlogs. I actually had a, uh, I had a YouTube channel in the past where I made videos with my family and it was mostly just for us to look back on family events or family trips. And that's sort of what this channel was supposed to be as well. But then slowly it morphed from like this, this culture type channel into more of writing and entrepreneurship. And I'm still kind of figuring out my direction with the channel. It's always so hard to decide what direction you're going to, especially when you're, I feel like it's the same when you like do a ton of things. Mm -hmm. So you're like, let yeah, me make my channel funny. about everything. And, and it's fun and all, but it's hard to find like, what am I really talking about? Or what am I about? Which I feel like you don't have to. You feel yeah. like you need to focus on one thing to grow or you just want to do what you want to do. I agree. And I think one way that you can really make it work is to just have a consistent editing style. So maybe your content mm. is all over the place, but if your editing is consistent, your personality is consistent, I feel like people will keep coming back to you regardless of what type of content you're making. No, absolutely. Is your content something that just kind of comes out of you? It's, it's easy for you to make because for instance, the writer's block video, that one was, <laughs> I love that one. It's very funny. Thank you. <laughs> And does that take like a lot of work to do? Or is this something you just like, hey, I have this idea, let's try it and then post it? Yeah, I would say my channel is a mix of both. I have videos like my Haruki Murakami video, super planned out. Uh, my Tim Ferriss channel or my Tim Ferriss challenge video. That one also took a, quite a bit of planning. But then my writer's block video, that was something my friend and I were just like, let's film a skit today. And we came up with that and filmed it on the spot. So some of the videos are very spontaneous and some are more planned, I would say. Which one do you think usually gets a better traction? I would say my planned videos usually do more, uh, get more traction. Uh, before my Haruki Murakami video kind of just blasted off, my most popular video, uh, which I believe is my second most popular video, was when I talked about the book I wrote when I was 13 years old that I later unpublished. Um, it's called, I wrote a book when I was 13, it sucked. I'm not sure where it is right now, but um, it is my second most popular video. And that video was also entirely scripted. I was pretty stiff. Uh, I wasn't really used to talking to the camera, but I scripted the entire video. And for the longest time, at least a year, that was my most popular video. Okay, awesome. Now, do you prefer not scripting them as much? To try, or are you like better at it now since you've been doing it for a while? I've, I've gotten to a point where I like this sort of in-between area where I have an outline, but it's not like completely scripted and planned mm -hmm. out. Uh, so a lot of times my, uh, I'll have a pretty good outline and I'll sort of deviate from it while I'm filming and that's fine. But I like to go into filming a video knowing what I'm making 
Otherwise, I've ended up with uh, tons of footage of just me hanging out with friends or doing random stuff that I'm like, well, I don't really know what I can turn this into besides just an everyday vlog. And I like my videos to have a purpose. So going into filming, I like to know what am I filming this for and what type of story am I trying to tell here? It's mm -hmm. amazing. You, you just uh, said something very important, purpose. And as an entrepreneur, what do you feel your purpose is? I would say that a really big thing for me is storytelling. I love storytelling in all aspects. Storytelling is in business. It's literally everywhere. If you can tell a good story, you can get sales, you can get attention, you can get... Storytelling is the vehicle for business, I think. And so with my YouTube videos, I, I try to incorporate stories into every single video. I've studied story plots since I was 10 and really diving into what makes a good story in a book. But I've noticed those th same exact ideas apply to YouTube videos. Some of my favorite YouTube YouTubers that I watched, I realized they follow a very story-like structure where you know they have a setup in the beginning, they introduce some conflict, and then it reaches some kind of climax uh, at, um, at some point in the video and then kind of trickles down at the end with the resolution. And those are the types of videos that I'm really drawn to. So I'm, I really like storytelling in everything that I do. I, I definitely agree with that. Um, Cause I used to write, well, I still write blogs, but my blogs were more commentary. And then I switched mm -hmm. them into uh, covering. I took the subject that I want to talk about and I turned it into like a story of something that I wanted to like explain. And the story got, more people could relate to the story because I felt like they could see themselves better in the yeah. story form instead of just listening to the commentary. So I, I definitely see where you're coming back, coming from with that. And you're right, because if you watch commercials or TV at all, everything has like a story, especially like the insurance commercials. There's always yeah. some type yeah. of like story happening to like yeah. get you to see why you need the insurance or whatever. Exactly. So I really, I like that. It's really cool. Now, high school and college and life afterwards, people like to, this is like a difficult topic because if people put so much pressure that after school, you need to have your whole life figured out. And I know you've done like some topics on this, but what are your thoughts on, on why people do that? Why do, we, why do we put so much pressure on our younger generation to have things figured out in such a short amount of time and so they're set for the rest of their life? Because to me, that doesn't make sense. Hmm. Yeah, it's really tricky because especially with at with the whole college structure right now, going into college, you're expected to know what you're going to be majoring in, what career you want to go after. Mm -hmm. And then you get this problem where people are constantly shifting to different majors and don't really know what they want to do. And I think I'm I'm very fortunate that I realized at a pretty young age what direction I wanted to go in but I see it with friends sometimes who are really struggling with figuring out what their path is. And for sure, even though I know I wanna do entrepreneurship, there are so many unknowns. And so I've gotten to a point where, you know, people ask this question, like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And honestly, I don't really know. There's a few things that are consistent for me. I know I'm going to keep writing and I'll probably continue doing YouTube or videos of some kind but I try not to put so much pressure on myself to have everything figured out and just focus on today. What am I going to do to try to reach my goals? I think it's such a healthier way to go about your life because 
you don't know. You might be passionate about something for a year, and then mm-hmm. after a year, you're not, and so you do yeah, something exactly. else, and then you might make more money doing that or make less. It doesn't matter because you enjoy it more, and mm-hmm. you just don't know where life will take you. And I feel like people get stuck thinking out of, out of fear. I feel like in certain situations, and then they stay there forever. Like, oh, well, this place is safe because for a while this job is safe, and yeah. well, this is all I ever know. So, mm-hmm. It's interesting all these dynamics. I also want to dive deep into how you discovered that because you know you said some of your friends haven't found it. How did you find out what you want to do at your young age? Were you just mm-hmm. researching stuff? Were you reading different books and said this is what I want to do? Like, mm-hmm. did you feel like you had to go outside a comfort zone to find your thing, or it yeah. just came to you? It was a very slow process for me, I would say, because I was super passionate about writing at a young age and I never really recognized that or I tried to not recognize it because I was um, a pretty good student and I always saw myself going into a more competitive career, um, more of these respectable careers, not really becoming an artist or, you know, a writer type thing. I always kind of looked down on that because that wasn't really considered or by a lot of people, that's not really considered a stable career or very respectable for a lot of people. So I really struggled with accepting that I enjoyed writing and I enjoyed, you know, entrepreneurship and I didn't want to work for anyone else and that maybe I didn't want to go to college either. So it took me a really long time to realize what my passions were. But I think when I finally accepted it, although it was really hard to make that decision not to go to college, it was kind of like this awe striking moment where everything just came together. And I was like, I've been doing this since I was 10. I've been making videos. I've been writing like, this is what I need to be doing with my life. And if I go into some, something else, another field, I'm going to still be doing those things. And maybe, um, you know, I'm not going to have as much time to do them. Now you said something very profound, which is you tried not to recognize it. I don't know if you were going to mention that, Malachi, but that, like, how, when did you realize that? Was it, like, recently when you were looking back and being like, was I just trying to shield myself from this because other people told me I couldn't do it? Mm. Or was it, like- it was my, it was my junior year of high school uh, when I went through a large series of, like, life-changing decisions, I would say. Um, the first, the first thing that sparked everything was when my uh, counselor called me in and she told me that because I had it's really complicated, but because I was taking certain classes and stuff, I had almost enough credits to graduate and I could graduate that year, which was a huge shock to me. The only downside was because of the time I would be graduating, I wouldn't be able to apply to any colleges for the upcoming year. So I would either have to take a gap year or I would have to go to the JC and neither of those things appealed to me very much. And so I was really thinking about Uh, Pretty much what happened was I was really confused about where I would be the next year and how college would work and where I'd be going with my life after that. And from there, I kind of started to rethink my major because I had just published uh, my debut novel, Leaving Wishville. And I realized how much I enjoyed the publication process, the marketing of it all. I started my publishing house and I was like, well, maybe I want this to be something bigger than just a tiny side hobby for me. And I decided that I wanted to study business. I took a marketing class. I realized I didn't really learn anything in the marketing class. And then I started to second guess, like, how much am I going to learn in college? (laughs) So it it was really hard for me to first make the decision to major in business. And then from there, make the decision to not go to college at all. 
It's it's really funny because sometimes growing up, we're pushed into these archetypes of like who we have to be. And it's like, mm-hmm. we can't develop our own archetype. We have to fit into someone else's mold. And it gets very frustrating for people who, like you, I see you're very creative and you want to uh, harness and direct that energy yourself and not have someone else do it for you. And it's really hard when you like have all this creative energy, but you don't want to fit it into like this mold. I oftentimes in college felt like Sisyphus, you know, where you were pushing the boulder up the hill just to start over, to push it up the hill again. And so I was just like, uh, what, <laughs> what do I really want to do? How do I really want to like become? And I find it very remarkable that you like embrace the, um, the hard questions because they are hard because you're going to disappoint people around you because there's certain expectations on you, yeah, but yeah. it's it's the most important to be true to yourself. And I find that like admirable. So it's like, it's really good. And I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, it's very encouraging to others. Like, like keep doing what you're doing because like you're going, you're, you don't, you may not see it, but you're a trailblazer and you're gonna like uh, light the way for other people to see that, hey, I can like uh, express myself how I feel is necessary and I don't have to fit one type of mold and it's possible for me. So definitely keep going. I like, uh, okay. You. Yeah, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, I was actually um, kind of skeptical about posting that college video because there's there were certain people in my family who were really a fan of that decision and I knew they would probably end up seeing the video at some point. And, you know, there's mm-hmm. definitely, I've gotten comments of people who said I'm making the wrong move stuff like that. But I, I really wanted to put that video out there for anyone who is struggling with making that career choice. Because it's, it's something that's really hard, especially if, like what you were saying about co- kind of being pushed into this mold. If you're a, a math student, you're very good at math, but maybe you you like doing something else. People around you are going to be saying you shouldn't waste that talent, you know, you should go into engineering, stuff like that. And it's really hard to kind of resist, resist that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, um, you said you started your own publishing house. Did uh, starting your publishing house come from writing your own books? Or like, I I think I heard you say you started to like, like the marketing and everything behind it. I went through a similar journey where I was, uh, I started writing books too. But mine are more like self help, inspiring, like, follow your dream type books, nice. <laughs> like, I like those. Uh, yeah. develop, develop your inner world, you know, so you, your outer world can reflect your truest self. And so um, I started, like, I actually started a publishing company too called Paint with the Heart Publishing, which is like oh following gosh, your awesome. heart. And yeah. so when you said that, I was like, did that come from the fact that um, you started doing it and you realized, hey, I really enjoy this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, Okay. And so if you never really would have done that, you never really would have fil- figured out, like, actually enjoy this. So mm-hmm. it's a, like I said, it's an example to people like everyone's going to comment. Everyone's going to say you shouldn't do that. Even KB, KB took a leap to go to California and, wow. you know, everyone told him he shouldn't. But now he's like living his dream and doing things he never thought he would That's be doing. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> Yeah, that's why I was like, you're like a trailblazer. And even like, you're on our podcast, and we never really knew what this podcast was about. But I told him, I was like, I feel like it's going to become something that gives people the freedom to be themselves. 
-hmm. And you're an example of that. So I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you for coming on. (laughs) Yeah, you really are. Like, yeah, you're like the definition of like what we like we set out to uh, to impact and to show that's capable. We call it connecting greatness. Like, Mm -hmm. and the next generation, you know, uh, podcast revolution is connecting the generations of you know this is how it was done but this is how it can also be done too and Mm -hmm. you're a very great example of that i just wanted to point that out (laughs) but we can (laughs) you can go ahead i love your podcast mission that's awesome (laughs) yeah it's it's when i watch your videos i base this all reflection of myself in a way because i i don't know how you handled it but how do you handle when people constantly say no you can't because my way was just like i gonna do it i'm stubborn but like when people say no you can't do this or it's too much money or you should go to school or even if you go to school for this why are you gonna go to school for that Uh, like it feels like everywhere you go somebody's gonna say no and Mm -hmm. how did you handle that how did you just ignore it that's probably what i did (sighs) that's a tricky one i would say in the beginning it definitely would hit me like it would hit me pretty hard when I get those types of comments or messages from people. But I would say it, it sort of becomes something that you become immune to over time. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I've noticed this with writing as well. When I first started to put my work out there and I would receive criticism, like it would hurt really bad. But the more I did it and the more I put my work out there, the more I started to get used to criticism, whether it's constructive criticism or just full on, I hate your stuff type criticism you really get that and yeah I, I that definitely happens yeah, yeah. so i think you know <laughs> the more you work, do it, it is. work it's like you're following me you're reading my books as many like why do you it's not really that they, they hate her it's the fact that she's doing what she's up to do and they're not and so it's a reflection of what they're not doing but no one really looks into the psychology of why you know but just too much go ahead i couldn't do that <laughs> yeah well <laughs> It's it's definitely something that happens when you, you know, put your stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And I think the more you do it, the more you learn how to handle it. Right. And it's kind of something that you just have to you just have to go through in the beginning. I think there's no way to really avoid feeling bad when you get those types of messages. It's more like you just have to push back as much as you can and eventually, you know, it's just like a flick of the finger. Yeah. You, I think you build up the mental or the emotional endurance to just be like, okay, well, you feel that way. You don't like mm-hmm. it. You can continue and do something else. You know, yes. there's a lot of things that other people can consume. You don't need to consume my content if it's exactly, not for you. Yeah. But I feel like that comes with emotional maturity because you do want people to like your stuff. You put a lot of love and passion into it, but you also have to like disconnect yourself from feeling the need to like have their approval. You know, mm. and and that's a that's a work. It definitely is work. Mm. How do you feel that? Um, do you feel like your family accepted your um, your desire to not necessarily go to college but pave your own way, or did you come up with a little like obstacles from them? I would say my family generally has been very supportive, but it did take time. I had okay. to really prove that I I wasn't just making like a spur of the moment decision and that I put some thought and time into this and I think the number one thing that helped was being confident in my own abilities as well 
because I think if I went up to them and I was like, guys, I, I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't go to college. Maybe that's not for me. I feel like they could easily, you know, be very skeptical of this decision. It's like, wow, you don't even believe in yourself. No, you're going to college type thing. So I, I think just being more confident and really knowing that this was the right choice for me going into it was a very big factor in, you know, getting support from my family and friends. It's tough because your family is very supportive. When I first started doing things on my own, I almost felt like running away because of how the clash of like, you're not doing what we want you to do and you're supposed to. I was like, but yeah. I guess you just got to stick it up and say, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant my feet here and say, I'm, this is where I'm going. Either you can support me or not. But it's hard. It, it's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get placed days where you just want to like cry your eyes out. We feel like giving up, and I, I don't, I don't think it's for everyone too, which is sad because I feel like everyone should have the, the comfortability, the, the stress free, the um, the love and support to be able to do what you want. You, you don't. Uh, I was just gonna say it's it's really unfortunate that you know some people have a hard time getting family on board, and it it almost comes down to this this no compromise situation where it's like where it's like oh it's the career you want to do or it's us as your family and you have to choose a side and it's. It really sucks when, you know, people find themselves in that situation. I've had some friends who wanted to pursue entrepreneurship and drop out of college and had some amazing ideas and their family, you know, what was not into that idea. So that's definitely a hardest challenge that a lot of people have to go through. It's really true. Um, And I feel like with the whole thing, it's all just a growing experience. And even like probably within the last month, you've probably grown a lot. Can you think of one way you have grown in the last month with everything that you're doing? Oh gosh, definitely. <laughs> um, tough question. Actually, it kind of relates to the to the recent uh, recent topic about you know dealing with criticism of your work. I would say that's been the number one thing I've been dealing with this month. Um, I have been putting a lot of work into marketing for my okay. new release capsule, which is coming out in July. And so I have something called um, an ARC campaign. So I've been sending out advanced copies of my book to get as many reviews as possible before release. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the crazy thing about this was I I had gotten used to criticism, but in small amounts. So I would send out my book to beta readers. I think the most I've ever done was send my work out to about a hundred beta readers, 55 people ended up finishing. And that was okay for me to handle because I got, you know, 55 people giving me feedback. But for this art campaign, I had within an hour, 200 signups. Now I think there have been hundreds of downloads of my book and it was a lot of pressure to to realize how many people were reading my book at once. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to get in reviews that... Now this isn't just beta reader feedback. This is people's thoughts on the final finished piece. And I can't change anything or anything major. So it was really hard for me to accept that there was people out there who did not, just really didn't like my finished work and had some big issues with it. And that really, really hit me hard was just dealing with with reviews the past month. And Mm. I would say, um, for about a week, I was just really torn up by it. No motivation to do anything else. It was this weird dynamic because 
half of me was like almost celebrating because I had so many ARCs signups and I was like, wow, this is crazy. I'm so grateful for all of the support. But then the other side of me was like, oh, I'm getting negative feedback and I don't know how to handle mm-hmm. it. So how, okay, that's that's a tough one. <laughs> Deal with so much <laughs> criticism and stuff. But let's start off with what is your book? Is Didn't you write it in a way that's not really normal from what I, I think you posted something about it and you were trying something new. So mm, let's, yeah, let's start with yeah. like, what is the book? What makes it special? And then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very genre bending. So it's, it's, Mm -hmm. I call it a sci-fi thriller, but it's kind of like this weird, it could also be a mystery or magical realism. Um, so it's definitely, it's hard to attract the right people because I feel like it's, it's kind of this weird, like multi-niche book. Um, but one of the biggest things that I do in my books, and I did this with Leaving Wishville, as well as Capsule is I have very open-ended endings and my mm-hmm. books are kind of on the darker side. They're not like these lighthearted books and my characters are considered in some ways kind of unlikable. That was what I really experimented with in this book was how horrible can I make these people but actually <laughs> keep readers to, to care about them. So there are a lot of things in this book that I think turn a lot of people off from it Mm -hmm. but it was the story that I really wanted to tell and the people who do connect with the story have have you know said amazing things about it so I'm I'm happy with how it turns out and I think how it turned out and I think if I had toned down any of these elements that some people don't like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be as meaningful to me as it is now well yeah because that's that's important phenomenal (laughs) it's beautiful you know it's like looking in the mirror sometimes when we're interviewing (laughs) sorry my sister had to pick something up no you have we were just saying it's like looking in the mirror because you like somebody came and knocked on your door that's happened to me once and i was like no and then also just a story but okay so back what was i saying um wow wait a minute give me a sec he was asking you about the book and uh, how uh, you were saying it wouldn't be meaningful to you ah, if I you wrote it in a different way. There you go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, because I feel as though whether you get opinions from all these vast amount of people who think they know how to do it better or not, some people do have great feedback, but they don't understand it the way you do. They, they can't write it the way you want to write it. They can't maybe get the same like visions the same detail they can't just doesn't mean as much to them so for you right. to like not write it the way you feel like you need to write it for yourself would be hurting the gift that you have of yourself like mm-hmm. it maybe doesn't hit some people who are reading the art copies but maybe once it's released it's going to hit a lot more people than you mm-hmm. could have ever imagined because you only got a small group even though it's a lot of people you just never know. And that's why I don't think yeah. anybody should ever change their workplace and other people. Like they can get, you know, feedback like how to make it better. Right. But just right. sometimes it's like, no, just do it. Just kind of like mm-hmm. not going to school. It's like, I'm not going to do it. And I'm going to write this book the way I want to write it. And yes, exactly. it's better for it. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that you did that. And I'm, I'm sad to hear that you took like a week to like, you know, <laughs> decompress and like deal with the, uh, the, some of the comments. But yeah, I mean, it, if you're not doing work that like, if you're not doing great work, then like for instance, if nobody's giving you back feedback, 
then that means you're not pushing the boundaries of things that need to be called. Like right. you might actually be doing something that might change the way books are told or like genres are told. So I applaud you for doing it and for sticking up for what you wrote and for dealing with the comments that you get. But it's mm-hmm. tough. Like I don't how do you handle a week of being like that and then saying, Okay, I'm done with that. Now let's go and continue writing. Because like a week's a long time. Like I feel like I they can develop bad habits. Yeah. Start like, yeah. So how do you go from oh, that week to where you are now? I actually had a an interview with an author and this was I think about a week after I had released art copies and she she really struggled with this as well when she had published her first book because she writes books about very controversial topics mm. they're quite dark um some of the topics are very sensitive for certain people and um Sorry. It's okay. Yeah, so the, some of the topics were pretty sensitive and she got some harsh criticism in the beginning. And she, she I was reading through her author bio mm-hmm. and she made it very clear that she writes controversial books. And I thought that was really interesting. Like she's, she's very upfront about my book isn't for everyone. And she almost has like pride in that. And I thought that was really cool. So I asked her like how she she managed to, you know, get over the fact that, you know, a lot of people have some serious issues with her book. And she told me that she just had to realize that she can't please everyone. And you can write a book that will, you know, it still isn't going to please everyone, but it's going to please the majority, or it's going to please a lot more people than your book would please. But she said, the more people the book pleases, the less meaningful it is to each individual person. So she likes to believe that if her book is only connecting is connecting with a smaller portion of people it's more meaningful to them than if it were just like this mass likable book that you know just pleases almost everyone who reads it so she she really dives into Mm -hmm. topics that you know she knows some people aren't going to connect with very well but the people who do connect with it they're and i've I've seen in her reviews they're like thank you so much because not a lot of people write about this kind of stuff and i'm so glad that you do that's another thing it's like i think to me one life is as important as like a thousand so when you make one impact to one person that means so much it's it's just like you've changed someone's life you might have even saved their life you don't know but and then it doesn't matter how many people you reach out to like do you do you find to find sex success as much as like how many books you sold or the story you told hmm that's a tricky one I feel like in a lot of ways, I do focus on the numbers. Um, but in times when I get frustrated over, you know, not getting as many sales as I would like to, or as many downloads or whatever, I have to, you know, scroll back through some old messages I've received of people who have read my stuff and have really yeah. connected with it and just remind myself of how much of how much is already done the way it is now. I feel like we get stuck in this mindset where we're like, oh, we want more views, we want more comments, we want more people to read the book, that sort of thing. And sometimes you have to just step back and think, like, look how many people have already read it and enjoyed it. And even me now, I'm like um, a little bit, you know, looking too much at numbers sometimes. But then I I think back on my first book, which, you know, my my new book has far surpassed it in reads and reviews. And I just have to remind myself, like, that my first book only has, I think, 17 reviews on Goodreads. 
and you know it's already come i've already come so much further since then so it's i guess you just have to remind yourself of how far you've already come and how many people you've already connected with through your work yeah and uh, i'm curious what do you define as success for you we're all different but is is it leaving an impact is it like selling mm-hmm. books what do you is i'm successful like do you feel successful right now <laughs> it's a hard question that, that that's a very tough question i feel like we never actually fully reach it but it's but it's you know do you really it's something that, that... <sighs> gosh i'm not sure because I, no, seriously like, i think but i want you to answer the question first before we dive into that <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i was i had a uh, okay go ahead <laughs> so let's get on to what i want to ask you what is the success to you and do you feel successful in terms of feeling successful, I feel like I reach pockets of success. So there's there's certain milestones I hit where I feel really successful, but then it's kind of like I, I set a new success milestone for myself. So it's like you feel success for a moment, but then you just keep chasing it kind of thing. That's kind of what I experience at least right now. And for me, I, I usually define success as connection with people through things I create or entertainment. That's really, like, ever since I was little, I've always really liked the idea of being able to entertain someone through something you create. So books, for me, are a big thing, as well as YouTube videos. Just being able to make something that has a purpose and can connect with people and entertain them, that's, you know, that's what I'd consider success to me, is if a video, you know, connects with certain people, you know, um, you, if I get messages on Instagram or YouTube comments, that kind of thing, that's a really good sign for me. Now, is most of success come from an external place for you or is it from internal? Like, do you feel most successful every day knowing that you get to do what you want to do every day? Hmm. Because it sounds like that's you get it most from, like, yeah. the numbers and the reviews and the comments, which are all great. Did you ever watch Gary Vee? Uh, a little bit back in the day. Do you, do you not like him? Do you like him? I, I, have, I haven't watched him recently. I, I watched him back in like eighth grade. I really don't know too much about his videos. You would watch, I should, you should watch the new ones because if you watched him in eighth grade, you probably mm-hmm. watch his really business ones. He's kind of mm-hmm. evolved. But there's this concept where he basically like drowns out the noise of the people who praise him and the people who criticize him. Because kind of like I was saying before, like you kind of just got to make your craft the way you want to make yeah. it because no one else would understand it. But the, also the True. idea is if you hold those comments of praise so highly that also means you're going to hold the the negative ones are going to hurt you as much because they both weigh so much in extremes yeah. and instead it's like no like enjoy like appreciate the good comments and recognize the bad ones but realize that you just got to do what's good for you and that's it's really it's that's why i'm like i wonder if you maybe are, are more of like internal I mean, external success is you and the internal, like, how do, how do you know if you're internally successful? Is it because you just feel good every day or do you, because even like, I don't know, for, like for me, I feel successful when I know that like, I don't have to worry about things, I guess. That's when I know like, okay, things are good. I get to do what I love and I don't feel. Right. Yeah. Because that's, that's where most of my struggles will come from. It's like, oh, I'm worrying too much. Like, oh, I'm going to pay for this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. It's like, as long as I'm not stressed out i feel successful i guess in a way as long as i'm helping someone i feel good so but yeah so what do you do you think you value more external 
factors. Yeah, that's a really interesting concept. I think for me, it's kind of a mixture of both. Like when I'm writing a book, I have to really disconnect from the fact that people are going to read it to make sure that it's something that I personally enjoy and that's true to me. So I, I try not to think, sometimes I have to, I'll like cringe or get frustrated because I'm like, ah, oh, people are going to read this scene. That's so horrible. Oh, yeah. But I have to, I have to kind of disconnect from that and just be in the moment and enjoy writing what I write. And there are definitely times, you know, I, I finished a scene that was really hard for me to write and I'm proud of myself and I feel successful in that moment. But at the same time, I also know that I'm not the type of person to create things without sharing them. Mm. I, I really like to put my work out there because it may connect with people. So I would say that I, I do really value the fact that I can create something and have it actually reach people. That is something that I definitely value as well. I don't think that I would necessarily do all the things I'm doing just for myself and not post my YouTube videos if I make them and just watch them myself. That's not really my style. Yeah. But, you know, I appreciate the process and appreciate creating something and that side I would say that's sort of my internal success is making the piece and going mm -hmm. through that creative process but then I also value the success of you know putting it out there and having other people enjoy it as well mm -hmm. and I'm also curious to wonder I think you did a discussion with your sister about this but how people view maybe you're not going to school like what you're qualified to write if you're qualified to right. do this like what why why do people view entrepreneurship as something that's not legit sometimes? Like, what's well, not, it's a waste of time, maybe. Mm -hmm. huh. Like, I hate the I would phrase, say it's go get a yeah. real job. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't like that. It's just like, we're, what we're doing I, is real to yeah. us. I think with anything new, there's going to be a lot of skepticism. Mm -hmm. And entrepreneurship has definitely become, you know, less of this fake job and I, I think it is getting more credibility now where in a lot of times it's actually seen as a very positive thing but you know there's definitely people out there who are very uh stuck to the old methods and especially the school system you know teachers students around you they're very you know set with their paths you know you you study hard in high school get into a good college you study a major you want to major in then you go out and get a job and that's kind of just how it goes and so um, it's, it's really challenging when you make that, cho that choice to pursue entrepreneurship and it kind of goes against everything you've grown up with. It's not, I feel like uh, a lot of people make it out to be like, you're passionate about this and everyone around you is kind of against it. When in reality, I feel like there's kind of that inner, that inner uh, skepticism as well, where you're like, I don't know, you know, I've been raised around all these people who are going down this traditional path. Like, should I really be doing this? It is true, yeah. Mm -hmm. You get stuck in the old ways, and then you think mm -hmm. it's hard to be the black sheep, right? Because you have no one else to really look up to except yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you, yeah. You can't be like, "Am I going the right way? Am I not?" It's hard. Mm -hmm. Now, so for storytelling, you also like to do film, right? Like short films, kind oh, of. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw you did the trailer for Capsule. What was the process like for that? And how did you? What's it like directing and writing for a short film trailer? Oh my gosh, that was so much fun. Um, it was it was very much like just a hobby type project, you know. I asked um, some friends, some kids who I've gone to school with, to help me out with it, and we filmed it over the course of I think three days. 
Um, and creating the, the script and writing that all out, it was super fun for me. I get a little bit conflicted sometimes because I really like making videos and I also really like writing. So I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm more of a, a screenwriter. I don't know, but I, I definitely did enjoy that process and it was fun to be able to, to, you know, create my own version of what I've written. And it's not exactly how I imagine it, but you know, it's as close as I can get it. And I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Oh yeah, I loved it. I watched it three times. Oh my gosh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no problem. But maybe one day you should try screenwriting. Yeah, I might give it a shot. You never know. I have a friend who's a really good screenwriter, writer, so maybe I'll hook you guys up and mm-hmm. teach you the ways. Because he's right now working on a cool animation project that he, it's kind of the oh, same thing awesome. where he saw something and now it's coming to life. And even yeah, I'm like, yeah. wow, it looks insane. It's really cool looking. And it's just cool seeing your vision, your, your words come to life. Mm-hmm. So now another thing too, how did you, what was the feedback for the, the trailer? I'm curious. Um, it was a lot more than I was expecting. I premiered the video. I think that's the first video I premiered on my channel. So people knew about it before it came out. Mm-hmm. And there were about... 60 50 something people who showed up to watch it live as soon as it premiered which was really cool because i got to like interact in the chat and uh, i think people really liked it there's definitely some you know subpar book trailers out there so i really went all out with it yeah yeah i love it and then you had the behind the scenes video where you're just like oh, yeah, that was super fun that was so cool yeah it's so cool to get to work on a project with your friend and just hang out and yeah it yeah it's really fun yeah and then I was gonna say you. So what do is there a lot of book trailers? Because I I noticed that you made yours. And I was like, that made me think. I was like, I've never really seen another one. Is it like something that really adds more to the marketing, or is it something fun you wanted to do that adds to the book? I think it it can help with marketing depending on how you approach it. With Leaving Wishville, I I say my book trailer for that one didn't really do much, but I've definitely used it for marketing purposes this time around, hmm. and it. There are a lot of book trailers out there. Some of them are amazing, like movie oh, okay. trailer quality. Oh, and dang. some of them are, are more like just, you know, simple gradient with text and music. So <laughs> there's a whole range of them out there. Mm-hmm. Nice. And now for your routine, do you feel like you have to have a strict routine or do you kind of just do what you feel is natural throughout the day? Because I know you did like a 50,000 yeah. word challenge for a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do that quite a bit with my books. Um, I would say I, I do have routines, but I don't keep them consistent throughout the whole year. <laughs> Definitely not. So like when I'm in a writing mode, I have pretty structured routines. Like when I was editing uh, for the first couple weeks of May to prepare for arc reading, it was pretty consistent. I was sleeping around the same time, waking up, writing. So my schedule was pretty uh, consistent. But, and, and same when I do like the 50,000 word challenge, I, writing becomes a bigger part of my day. So it's typically more structured. But lately right now, since I had spent so much time in like this, this structured schedule of writing for so long in May, and I was just very busy. Like, yes, I was productive, but I, I just need some time to, to chill for a bit. Yeah. So I've been, I've been mostly just working when I feel like it. I mean, I, I'm still getting a lot done. It's just very unstructured. Sometimes I'll stay up super late working, but then I'll sleep in the next day and it's kind of just like filming, just random whenever I feel like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's right. say it's a mixture. Yeah. 
And another one of my favorite videos is one you talk about your 18 now. And you ended oh, really? perfectly. Yeah. And that's another thing too. Do you, you were talking about maybe you feel like you have to just pose to pose. You don't want to ruin the streak. Mm-hmm. So when does it become like, I'm doing this because I love it and not because I need to do it. Like as of like right now, going forward, what keeps you growing towards like becoming a better person, becoming well, the better person, like greatest version of yourself. What is it? How do you feel about like making new books? So what keeps you keep going? What is, mm-hmm. what is that thing inside of you that says I need to keep doing this? Um, hmm. I feel like with YouTube, but especially writing, it's something that I can't imagine myself not doing because mm. I, I get all these ideas and it's kind of like, it, they, they kind of haunt me until I actually make them become reality. That's typically what happens. So I would say it's, I can't really pinpoint what exactly it is, but it's just like, I love seeing my ideas come to life and I don't see myself ever just ignoring those ideas and pursuing anything else. And like, like I said, if I were to pursue, you know, a more traditional type job, I can't imagine myself not doing these things on the side because it's just what I absolutely love doing. I love when people are passionate about what they're doing and instead of saying, I'm going to do it later, they do it now that they're doing. Yeah. So we'll never stop that. Now I want to get a little bit into writing before we slowly wrap it up, but um, what advice would you give for anybody who wants to be a writer? Who's like, Hey, I'm 12 and I want to write or 20 or 40. Yeah. What would you tell, what would be your advice? The number one thing that people would message me or comment is they're concerned about their age, which is really correlated to a lack of experience, or they think they're either too young or they're too late to hop on the train. And it's just this fear that they're not good enough or that they don't have enough experience, but the only way you can get experience is by actually doing it. So I say, you know, just start now. If you feel like writing, just do it for fun. And who cares whether or not you have perfect grammar or perfect spelling, or I could not care less whether or not I have advanced vocabulary. That's also a concern I get a lot. You can tell a story really well, regardless of what level you're at. Just got to put your all into it. So I'd say just don't overthink getting started and just dive into it. I agree. (laughs) I love the whole put your all into it. That's really it too. That's another thing. I think how do you stay focused into putting your all into one thing instead of putting your energy into a lot of different things? Like mm-hmm. maybe instead of writing five books, you write like that one. Because everybody gets those ideas right. and they're like, maybe I should yeah. put it aside and make the new one. True, true. Uh, I, I kind of guilt trip myself where I'm like, oh, I've already worked on this for so many hours. I, it would be worthless if I just tossed it aside and started mm-hmm. fresh. So I, I, I kind of remind myself about how much dedication I put into it already and the more I work on a project the more attached I get to it so the less I want to ditch it that's something I've noticed it's kind of those beginning stages where you're like not fully invested yet but you're kind of getting there and you're sort of second guessing should I be working on a different project I feel like that's the point where you just have to push through and keep working on it to the point where it's like yes this is the project that I need to be working on right now Mm -hmm. right yeah, that's great. That, that's a good way to look at it. I I see sometimes like being an entrepreneur and being a creative as like building a house. It all doesn't happen all at once. It's over mm-hmm. time, you know. And the biggest thing is like to lay a good foundation for yourself. And then once you do that, you build the frame and everything else adds 
in yeah. <laughs> as you're going because you know there's a lot of components to living in a home once you build a house you got to get appliances you got to get tile you know paint the walls all kinds of stuff is happening so it's like it's levels to um right. to growing and uh i guess developing a project and so that's what i had to tell myself and that's what i tell everyone else i was like don't just dis- don't get discouraged because it's gonna take you don't realize how much goes into something until you actually mm-hmm. start doing it yeah, and 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 you'll figure it out if you just you know and i think that's the adventure of it all like start like having fun and playing with it and it gets more about like you enjoying yourself instead of it becoming a work or a job yes and, yeah, yeah, I love that. That's amazing advice. I feel like a lot of people are scared because they want to get it right the first time. But, you know, there's so much experimentation that goes into it. You just have to try things mm-hmm. out and see how they go. And if it doesn't turn out the way you want, you know, you just correct it on the next time around. Absolutely. It's like, I don't know, it, talking with you is like a brush of fresh air because I think oftentimes, I mean, I don't look like it, but I'm 27. So <laughs> I've been like, you know, I'm in my 20s and everyone tells some people in their 20s, like, you need to have this and this needs to be going like this. And I took a different route and I like commend you for taking a different route. And like KB said, when he was like, how do you do it? How do you put up with like the criticism and things like that? Well, I always think about Robert Frost. Um, where he talks about uh, there's two paths to verge in the forest and I took the one less traveled by. And sometimes when you take the path less traveled by, you got to move the sticks and things that might be on the path out of the way so you can keep going through that path because no one has really traveled it before. And I, I always recommend to like other creatives is to just create because I feel like we are like lighthouses and people will be able to see themselves in us like if they're out to see, like the world is like sea and everything's happening, you are a lighthouse and you you allow people through your work and through your storytelling to see themselves, you know, Man. and to see yeah. th- and to give them direction. And you're not you're not here to give everybody direction. You only mm-hmm. give the ones who are seeking direction and they they connect with you. And mm-hmm. I think that's really what has helped me because I think about criticism too. I think we all do. We we yeah. all like get hit with that. But yeah. it becomes like, okay, what do I, um, I, t- for me, I just disconnected with it all. I'm like, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing. That's what I tell people now. I'm just like, thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, just thank you for sharing because like, you're going to give me like, you're going to tell me what you think about it anyways and whether mm-hmm. or not life's going to keep going on. So it's just, I, for me, I can't like, um, I can't get caught up in it anymore. So I just, to help me disconnect, I'm like, Thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Whether it's good or bad, I'm just like, thank you for sharing. You know? True, true. <laughs> yeah. like, it, That's it an really awesome like, mindset. And I, lo- yeah. I love the analogies you use, too. I oh, do love you. the scene. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just like, for me, it's just something you start developing over time. And yeah. I decided that I wanted to be an empower. And so I wanted to empower the empowers. So people like you who write and who tell stories and do the things that they want to do artistically, I think that's very important. And uh, especially in this day and age where we're living in, uh, I think self-expression is very important. And I realized that in order to really tell something, someone to something else, you have to embody it. And 
So I started like finding ways to embody. And I can like, and I'm saying this to you because I can see that, that you're like a free thinker. And so uh, people who are free thinkers, sometimes they overthink themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you want to like fall back into the, the, you're all right. It's cool. And you're doing a great job. You really are. And I just wanted to share that with you. But I just felt the need <laughs> to you. say that. <laughs> like, it's really, it's really important for you to understand that, like, you're doing a great job and keep going because you inspired me. Oh, and I'm sure you inspired so KB. I think too. it's awesome what you guys are doing, too. I love your the mission for the podcast and, like, inspiring other creatives and people who are forging their own path because a lot of times it's like, you know, you, you choose to follow this path, but you, and you see other people who are doing it too, but you don't really have anyone who's kind of that guiding person, you know, who's helping you through it's it. It's true. Kind of like you're, everyone's just figuring it out for themselves. You know? <laughs> and we really are. Like, <laughs> it has like grown to like developing the brand and figuring out like, okay, who are we really and what what is our aim and what are we really trying to do? Because before it was just like four friends talking and you know discussing things and then it became like more serious and we were like wow okay (laughs) (laughs) okay this is serious so now we became more serious and like you were saying earlier like you just start figuring out okay i need to do this and this this requires this and it is just welcoming the journey and going on the journey and that's so that's so cool i i also had a question where can i find your your book uh, yeah, the one the, you just recently released. I don't know, yeah, so it, it releases on uh, July 10th, but our copies okay. are available right now. So oh, if you fill I out would the read form, it and give you feedback. Okay, it's it's on my latest YouTube video. I made a video about arc reading, and in the description, okay. there's a link to um, there's an application link, and so if you okay. fill that out, then you'll it'll get emailed to you. Okay. Okay, your latest YouTube video. Okay, I'll find that and I'll. I'll send it to you because I have an art copy, so I'll send you. The oh, okay. That I use. Um, okay. Yeah. It's just I also love how your chapters are times. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's interesting to me. I was like, what? <laughs> Again, another thing that you've done is like different, and I love it. I love it because of that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but no, I would. Not like I said, it was true. That I, I agree the same way. You just you keep doing what you're doing. It's amazing. I'm gonna share this with everyone and tell everybody to read the book, check you out, because I, sh- I already you. shared like you know, to Paris one. Cause I was like, guys, it's me. I, was just, I did that challenge and I. Can- <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but uh, um, yeah. So we have a we have a question that we usually ask. Um, we're going through the galaxy and there's a billboard, and on this billboard, it's your words that you want to tell everyone in the galaxy who could see it. You know, what would you say to them? I would say just go for it. Ooh, just get started. Love it. Yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, KB has a saying. He's like, get after it. So, yeah. Well, that's not my saying. That's, that's John. I, oh, it's, <laughs> but it's something that he says a lot. And yeah. so it's always in the back of my mind because he says yeah. it. And I'm like, okay, get after it. Yeah, just go for it. That's, that's very profound. I like it. Mm-hmm. Just go for it. Yeah, just go for it. In my experience, if you go for it, whether you know it's going to work out or not, it seems mm-hmm. to work out for you. Or like it happened yeah. to me. It's like, oh, going to California is going to be scary and might not work out. I don't know. Everything yeah. that could have gone right went right. So I same thing with other things <laughs> that I've done in my life, like starting podcasts or doing 
doing this other job thing I wanted to do. It's like, let me just try it. And it went well. And mm-hmm. there's also a lot of failures, sort of things that led to the thing I needed at the, the right moment. And that's another reason why I tell people to start anyways. Like, for instance, write a book. Write the first horrible book you could ever imagine. But at least you know how to write one. So then you can write mm-hmm. the good one. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So just everybody just You'll go for your dreams. If it doesn't work mm-hmm. out, it's leading you to another pathway. It's going to lead yeah, you to exactly. where you want to go. My sister, uh, she told me a, a quote once. It was, and it was actually something that really helped me with my decision to not go to college. And mm-hmm. she said, you'll figure it out because you have to. And that actually helped me a lot. Because it's like, like you said, if things don't work out, you know, you'll find another path. You'll work through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. And one last thing before we uh, we go, you changed your name, like your that's uh, Mel uh, Torre Franca. That's not your like your original name. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. amazing. It's, so that's like my, your pen uh, name. Yeah, it's my pen name for my books, and yeah. it made sense to make it my YouTube name as well. I did the same thing. Malachi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Malachi is not my original. Oh really? Name okay. It was like um, for well. It was the name that came to me when I was in college. I was at this etiquette dinner and like um, oh. we came up with a name and I was like, oh, I'm Sir Malachi. And one of my friends, she was like, I'm Lady something. And uh-huh. I don't know. It just kind of stuck with me. And it okay, just became. Okay. Yeah. like and, Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And so I just related to that when you first <laughs> said it. And I wanted to like throw that out there. I'm like, that's okay, really, yeah. that's really, <laughs> that's really cool. I love, I love my pin name. People are still yeah, adjusting too, to it. Yeah, yeah everyone's still yeah. adjusting to it because they're like, "Who? Who's Malachi? Is this a new person?" And I'm like, "No, it's just someone I've always been." You guys are just getting <laughs> to know that expression. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? I actually, uh, my all of my personal. I used to have like my main Instagram, and then I had the personal one for school, which I ended up deleting. I don't really. Mm-hmm. I, I don't need more time on social media. <laughs> Right. So I have uh, my only social media accounts are like my Meltori Franco ones. And sometimes, okay. you know, kids from school, they're like, what? Yeah. Like, people- yeah, it's a different name. Yeah. Where did it come from? Like- um, so Mel's actually a nickname I went by quite a bit in high school because mm-hmm. my full name's Melissa. And then Tori mm-hmm. Franca is my mom's maiden name. So oh. that's where I got Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, and you just like connected them together like you wanted to like show your mom's heritage or like how did you like connect that i would say in the beginning it was definitely to connect with my filipino side as well because i was you know this was supposed to be like this cultural channel and me traveling and mm-hmm. stuff oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, which it, it it isn't anymore but it's definitely stuck with me and i really like i really like the um the name melatory franca now I, I, I like it. I like it too. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it's really it's cool. One of those things that, like, at first you're like, I don't know if it's gonna work out. These are the reasons why I made it. And then now, like, me as an outsider coming in, it's like, it's a perfect name. In fact, I didn't mm-hmm. even think it would be something else, but like, it just fits perfectly. It sounds good. Yeah. It, it yeah. looks good on the books. It's how <laughs> sometimes life just it's, works perfectly in the way. It it really yeah. does. Uh, where can we find you at on social media? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube youtube.com slash meltorfranca instagram i'm meltorfranca there too those are my two most common platforms at the moment okay and then my publishing house is same thing we have a youtube and instagram and it's lost Island press well that's it thanks for listening you can find all courses at gamedev.tv or in the show notes at a discounted price get started with your game development journey today